You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio. Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national covering down on all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid conservative and just plain right. Well, it is uh, it is Thursday, a mixed bag of rain, sun, sun and rain, and, and temperatures that feel a whole lot more like April or May. But Boomer's here and he's running the board. I am here. If you're here, I'm here. I, if you're here, I'm here. If you're here, I'm just saying. I'm just. <laughs> if you're not here, I don't want. I don't want to be here. Just so you know. That's, there, there that's you have the it. same. <laughs> so same goes. It. <laughs> this is. By the way, this is Thursday. What we refer we refer to it as Friday Eve. So yeah, welcome to Friday Eve. Getting close to the weekend. Uh, I got a great show laid on for you. Three uh, thirty today. You're going to stay tuned because three thirty today, Congressman Gary Palmer will be on the show with us. Uh, Congressman Palmer, I've known him for a few years. He's he's uh, just a great guy. He ran the Alabama Policy Institute, where I used to be on staff for a number of years, 24, I believe. And uh, now he's in Congress and um, serving in a position of leadership there. So we'll we'll talk to Congressman Gary Palmer about a number of issues. And then 4 o'clock today, what I'm going to go ahead and brand is my new favorite segment that we do every week. Uh, Boomer and McQueen. You guys are on at 4 o'clock, man. Woo-woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four o'clock. Uh, when's the lovely McQueen getting here? Just gonna walk in right at the last second. Yeah, her and a uh, little dude will be coming. Oh, in Oh, little dude's coming. I think so. All right, good. <laughs> All right, four o'clock today. Boomer and McQueen. We do that. They have a they have a right side a right life podcast. They do for right side radio. Part of the right side multiverse, actually. And uh, but they come in every week, and we do this segment, Boomer and McQueen. Uh, and then I got a triple dipper. Oh yeah, triple dipper. Hit it. The Triple Dipper. Three stories you've got to know. That's right, the Triple Dipper. Three stories, three themes, if you will, that you have got to know as we run today's show. Number one, safe streets. Safe streets, it matters. And y'all listen, it's becoming a bipartisan issue. Uh, In the last few years, we have watched just the amazing amount of squeaky wheels getting greased in the form of defund the police, of, of absolute, you know, anarchy when it comes to uh, um, prosecutors that don't want to prosecute, and we're going to talk about it. It's it's a it's a thing. So yeah, number one on the triple dipper: safe streets. Number two, the insurrection inspection. What? Well, first of all, it's tongue in cheek because I still don't believe it was an actual insurrection. They love to use the word, but it weren't that. But nonetheless, did you know that? Tucker Carlson just got access to all 41,000-plus hours of surveillance video from the Capitol in the 24-hour period around January 6th. Yeah. So now we're going to finally get the insurrection inspection. So that's number two on the Triple Dipper. We'll talk about it in more detail. And then number three, man, I can tell you, this morning I saw a story just warmed the cockles of my heart, Just, just, just toasted them up. And I thought, you know, this is very cool. And then I found another one kind of similar. I thought, you know what? We're building something here. And sure enough, number three on the Triple Dipper, good folks are still out there. You're going to want to hear that one. It'll, 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 just, it'll, it'll let you go home at the end of the day feeling good about life. So, yeah, number three on the Triple Dipper, good folks are still out there. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me, uh, 
Let me flip over to my comments here, all right? My opening monologue. So it's amazing how often we're told that there's no there there. You know, like that thing that we knew that we knew, but then they told us we really didn't know it. Not, not really. Yeah, like last year when a New York Times podcast host named Kara Swisher, she asserted that there was no evidence of political bias against conservatives occurring on social media platforms, a claim that was reiterated quite frequently by Democratic lawmakers and liberal media personalities. No evidence whatsoever. Just didn't happen. Nothing to see here. Everything, everybody move along. Never mind that the former president of the United States, the Babylon Bee, and a host of others were all locked out or at least temporarily completely unavailable to social media. No, no, no. You didn't see what you thought you saw. For the love, people. But then, of course, came the coup d'etat of all time when Elon Musk bought Twitter. And suddenly we got to see it all in vivid technicolor. Everything that we knew that we knew that they said we didn't know was suddenly spilling out into the public arena. Well, I think it's about to get even funnier, to be honest. Even more demonstrable. As the confirmation has now been given that Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has given access to Tucker Carlson's staff for over 40,000 hours of closed-circuit footage of the events in and around the U.S. Capitol on the infamous date of the insurrection on January 6th of 2021, two years after the fact. Two years during which we were told that that most infamous of days, the attempted coup of the U.S. government, the threats against the lives and well-being of innocent lawmakers who just want to make the laws and live in peace, that day, January 6th, a day that will live in infamy, that there was nothing else to see. There was nothing exculpatory. It was what it was. Detention, trials, convictions of those heinous and misguided individuals who colluded and conspired to overthrow the United States. Well, those trials and convictions are still ongoing right now. I'm wondering how many people are on trial who didn't have access to the videos that might have actually helped them. But now, now, now that trials and convictions are already being completed, now that plea bargains and political lynchings have already been had, now we're going to see that which we were told that there was no reason to see. You know, we're not always right as conservatives. I get that. But generally speaking, we do see things pretty clearly, clear as day most often. But they want us to believe that we're wrong for labeling truth as truth. I mean, surely they must think that we are skulls full of mush, easily manipulated for them to consistently place revisionist history in front of us and expect that somehow we're going to find it to be palatable. Well, there's an officially unofficial name for this. They call it gaslighting. It's a thing. Some call it psyops. Some call it misleading. Some actually call it psychological abuse. I call it lying. First of all, understand this. Gaslighting is considered in clinical circles as a form of psychological manipulation. It's used in the middle of an abusive relationship, a means by which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victims' minds. It's a means by which one individual seeks to gain power and control over another by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgments and intuition. The term gaslighting comes from the 1938 play Angel Street, which Alfred Hitchcock later adapted into his own movie and called it Gaslight, in which a man tries to convince his wife that she's going insane so that he can steal from her. When he turns on the lights in the attic to search for the jewelry collection that he knows she has hidden away somewhere, the gaslights dim downstairs. But he tells her it's all in her imagination. And gradually, she begins to question her own memories and perceptions. But the term now, gaslighting, has become a more normalized part of the daily vernacular. It's used often to describe what happens when public discourse or political speeches or social media censoring or any other form of dialogue 
works to create that alternative view, coupled with an insult or a canceling out or a threatening of the person who has the opposite view. So if you're wondering, by the way, how to tell if someone's gaslighting you, there's actual criteria, believe it or not. Consider the following. Number one, if they're lying or denying something or refusing to even admit they lie, even when you show them proof, even to the point of insisting that an event or behavior you witnessed never happened, and you're just remembering it wrong. Mr. President, why is your administration walking back your words? Nobody's walking back anything. Right. How about this one? Number two. When they change the subject or refuse to listen when confronted about a lie or other gaslighting behavior. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Hey, we're done here. Next question. When asked about Hunter Biden comes to mind. Number three, telling you that you're overreacting when you call them out. Like, you know, hey, if Antifa wants to burn that restaurant, who are we to complain? Number four, twisting a story to minimize their own behavior. I mean, hey, you know what? The pullout from Afghanistan was a beautiful thing. We airlifted more people than ever, like in the history of ever. Or lastly, separating you from others in order to keep you from contacts who can also help you to see clearly. Sort of like cancel culture, trying to cut you out of your normal loops as punishment for not towing their line. Or, for that matter, kind of like Twitter deplatforming someone who doesn't match the approved narrative so no one else can hear what they have to say. So, yeah. What I just read to you, all five of those, those were real criteria by which they measure gaslighting in a clinical, psychological setting. I only gave you a partial list. But see, we see this every day, every single day. Like, do you remember last spring? President Biden literally took a question from Fox's Peter Ducey. He was asked about the constant walkbacks that his staff was having to provide to clean up for all of his weird comments about Ukraine. The first thing out of his mouth, nobody's walking back anything. And then Ducey gave him three major gaffes that his, <laughs> his, his staff had had to walk back in the previous three days. Chemical weapons, U.S. troops going to Ukraine, Putin should not remain in power. His response, none of those three things happened. But we had the video and audio proof that they did. We even had a photo of a cheat sheet in his hand when he answered Ducey that told him how to spend his answers to walk back the question of walkbacks. Folks, if that isn't a politician trying to gaslight us, I don't know what is, but you got to marvel at the audacity of a man who can flat fabricate an alternate reality. But see, it's not just in D.C. with Democrats. It's not. Do you remember last year during Alabama's governor's race? A campaign ad came out for Governor Kay Ivey. You may have seen it. A couple of good old boys on the gun range loading up their Glocks, talking about their favorite governor, Kay Ivey, of course. And in the course of their scripted gaslighting, they literally talked about how she stood up, stood up to the Biden administration on COVID mandates. Hello? She didn't do a thing. She made some mean statements, but she refused to take action. She refused to call the legislature in to provide relief, and the state house and the Senate had to take matters into their own hands and pass a vaccine passport bill, after which she took credit. I mean, she was, she was even being sued for shutting down businesses. Meanwhile, Florida, South Dakota, and several other states took actual gubernatorial action in a variety of ways. I'm telling you right now, that campaign ad was gaslighting if I ever saw it. So here's the bottom line. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them cajole you. Don't let them threaten you. If you saw it, if you're a witness, if you know that you know that you know, then refuse to be taken out of that warm light of truth and shuttled off into a dimly gaslit room. We're going to find out what happened in 41,000 hours of footage from January 6th. I imagine we're going to find the other narrative, the one they told us was not real. I imagine we're going to find places where it contradicts the true story they told us was a true story. 
Some call it abuse. Maybe so. I call it a lie. Don't let them gaslight you. And that's a wrap for the right side way. Well, there you have it. And we'll cover that in more detail later on, too, in number two of the Triple Dipper, the insurrection inspection. But, yeah, gaslighting. You know, and, and what's, what's really crazy when you look at it is they do it all the time. I'm using they in the broad sense, but they do it all the time. And yet the reality is it's actually considered psychological abuse in some settings. Huh. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. You guys stay tuned. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, so <laughs> we've been commenting on the weather. Boomer, did you see the uh, the uh, image that uh, or the meme that uh, JT from Lacey Springs is it JT? It was JC, wasn't it? I think it was. Let me see. Yes, it was. Yes. It was JT from Lacey Springs <laughs> has a picture of Kermit the Frog, and it says, "Yeah, whoever's holding Mother Nature's beer while she does all four seasons in a twenty-four hour period, poured out. She's already drunk." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like like you don't even like I said before you don't even know what to wear in the morning. You get a, this morning it was seventy degrees when I left the house. This is February, yeah. but yet they didn't have the record snowfall up north. He, they did uh, Minneapolis. Is, I mean, it's Minneapolis, so it's <laughs> up there by like next to Canada. But right. still, I mean, wow, just just wow. Okay. Hey, text lines are open. You want to text in, you are welcome to it. So the number here at 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. Um, we, got, we got plenty of stuff for you to come in on today, uh, not the least of which is we're going to be talking about the 41,000 hours of video footage that uh, apparently has been placed in the hands of none other than Tucker Carlson and his staff. And I, I, I can't wait, man. I just To me, it's like you know, a kid in a candy shop. Uh, and, and I granted, I, I, 41,000 hours, there's probably going to be about four or five hours of total watching time worth watching. Most of it's going to be people milling around, taking selfies. But the things that we want to know are, are like, okay, what's the other side of the story? What was, was there really, was there, were there, were there any, was anybody armed besides the one security guard who shot the unarmed Ashley Babbitt? Was anybody uh, opening doors for people? It appears that they were. Um, was anybody um, sort of just being, you know, like a traffic cop saying, hey, y'all go down this hallway, y'all go down that hallway? I mean, there, there were, granted, I will say this, January 6th was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. It was just, a, it was a freaking mess. Was it an insurrection? No. Were there some people in there who had ill intent? Maybe a few. But there are people right now who have been detained for the last two years, literally have been in jail for the last two years 
awaiting an opportunity for trial. And I would like to know, have they had as much access to these videos as any other criminal defendant should have? If there's something exculpatory in here, I want to know if somebody was forced into a plea bargain when there might have been a video that could have exonerated them. 41,000 hours? Are you telling me for real? Well, so, yeah, we're going we're gonna to find out. There, there's, I, I guarantee you, I mean, that's a lot to wade through, man, 41,000 hours. And some of that's going to be on fast forward as they just watch, like I said, the selfies being taken and people looking like they're on a mass tour. But there's going to be moments where they're going to grab a video footage and they go, look at this. Here's that thing that they said was this way and it was really that way. That's, it's going to be very, very interesting in my opinion. And we'll unpack that in more detail as we go along. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing I will tell you is that uh, uh, the, 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 the podcasts are just kicking right now. So, the po- so if you, when you listen to the show daily, and we know a bunch of you do, when you listen to the show daily, uh, we've got you know, any number of things that we do, and you can, you can go grab them again later. So the podcast of the show comes out every day, literally, Boomer, as we're finishing up, he is, he is already in the process of uploading a podcasted version of the live show for the day. And then on top of that, the Right Side Multiverse Ooh. now has the Right Life podcast, which That's is right. Boomer and McQueen doing their gig. And uh, you guys just uploaded two more, right? Just uh, three more, actually. Shut I, I, up! So we had an incredible special guest on one of them, or actually on two of them. We split it up. And it was you, Mr. <laughs> Phil Williams, and your lovely wife. Oh, so you broke that into two? We broke it into two. Why did we did we break the microphone? What happened? Oh no, no. We we're just keeping it trying to keep ours close to that, you know, 20 minute mark. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> well, it was we had a good time doing it with you too. That was that was that was huge. It was a it was a blast. So so what's the download like right now? Oh man, I mean, we've Tell gotten me. some incredible Tell incredible me. responses. Uh we we have over we're almost at over 400 downloads. Oh, really? Yeah. No, nice. Yeah. And then the main down, the main, the main podcast is already like what one hundred and nineteen thousand. Where are we at? Oh yeah, one hundred and nineteen six. So one hundred nineteen thousand six hundred. What? Okay, where's the biggest audience? Still oh, Alabama, second still biggest Alabama, audience. And the second biggest biggest audience is bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Still California. Still California. <laughs> we love you, California. Hang out in there, there on the left coast. We'll keep we'll keep plugging away for you. All right, folks. Phil Williams. Right Side Radio, coming right back. Number one of the Triple Dipper, Safe Streets. Y'all stay tuned. Side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. And 
And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show. goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. What are we going to do, Boomer? I'm going to have to redo like, my entire lexicon when was, we expand to the next I was week. thinking that. I was like, oh, what happens when we're about to expand one day soon, and then we, like, you have to, like, you're going to actually slip and say all that again. Like, I don't want to, like, tease anybody, but there's already talk. To there's say. already a little just, talk, isn't a little, there? A little talk. A little talk. A little talk about some something, something. And then you're going to have to redo your... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way down <laughs> south of Key West. <laughs> Way up north of Detroit. Covered to the moon. Good. Golly <laughs> bum. Um, anyway, just, uh, okay. Number one of the Triple Dipper, safe streets. Safe streets. So, listen, it's, it's kind of hard for Democrats to continue hiding from the fact that they have helped perpetuate crime. Oh, Phil, did you? Yes, I did. So here's the deal. I'm not saying Democrats are committing crime. They're not, I'm not saying they're criminals. What I'm saying is they are creating an environment that liberal progressives especially. And by the way, let me, let, me, let, me, let me step back. Let me step back from my own commentary. Just one second here. It's not, it's not a true caveat. It's just a slight caveat, I guess. But the, what I'm saying is I know a bunch of Democrats who, who are just as quick to be hard on crime. There are moderate Democrats in Montgomery or where I served with them or who would just as quickly be able to pass something that's hard on crime. But what liberal progressives so often do is lean towards the criminal as opposed to the victim. In the last few years, some and, and you know, go explain it. I don't know that I can explain the national psychological drama that played out in the wake of the George Floyd incident. But suddenly, it became not just a fashionable, but a mandate. Not, not just a, you know, uh, an idea. It became a, a, a need for certain liberal progressives to have to bow down to the idea that they would have ever been, we, oh, oh the George Floyd thing, we've, well, listen, look, look, how, look how good we are to people. We'll let them out of prison early. We won't even send them to prison. We'll, we'll be hard on police because the police are hard on, on people. And that's the way it went. And it got to the point of being, you know, almost like a psychosis. Meanwhile, every day Joe and Jane in America is like, what the heck's going on? You're burning buildings, but it's a largely peaceful protest? Or, or for that matter, you got arrested and then you were out on the street a day later, but yet the guy in Arizona who defended his land with illegal aliens, had to post a million dollars cash bond, and he's 73 years old? What the heck's going on? Well, what we're seeing now, though, and I hate, I, hate, I hate that we had to live through it for them to see it, but what we're beginning to see now more and more is that even Democrats can't hide from what they help construct, or deconstruct, for that matter. Even... even even Democrats are beginning to finally go, you know, might just have gone a little too far. I know a sheriff in North Alabama who's a Republican that bowed down with Black Lives Matter on the steps of his office and ordered his deputies to do the same thing. I'm just, you know, what was, the, what was the mental state 
of the nation, well, not the whole nation, but some, that saw it as a reason to kowtow. We didn't kill George Floyd. And oh, by the way, we didn't create the environment that allowed that to happen. And oh, by the way, that was up there and we live down here. Why was the whole nation being treated to some type of victim mentality that said that we suddenly had to go soft on crime? We suddenly had to defund the police. We suddenly had to acquiesce in the face of the overwhelming evidence of systemic oppression. When the reality is, you know, it's a crap. It's just a, it's just a load of crap. All right, so here's the deal. Dems can't hide from it anymore, especially when they start becoming the victims. I know you've heard the story. I mentioned it briefly on the show before, but story here on Fox News. Dated just about oh, nine days ago. You may have heard this. Uh, Democratic uh, Congresswoman uh, Angie Craig. She's a Democrat from Minnesota. And she is now calling for serious action against the rising crime crisis in D.C. because she was assaulted by a man who had a rap sheet about a mile long. And she points out, she said, I was, I was assault number 13, and he is still on the streets. She says, I got attacked by someone who the District of Columbia has not prosecuted fully over the course of almost a decade, over the course of 12 assaults before mine that same morning. She said, so I think we have to think about how in the world we can make sure that we're not just letting criminals out. Now, first of all, I'm glad she's okay. By the way, I'm glad she fought. Let me take a brief aside here. Do not stop fighting back. Do not do what they tell you to do. If you're being attacked, you keep your head on a swivel, first of all. Don't, don't, don't be the easy victim. But, but then I saw the, the, the video of the woman in the gym who just fought and kicked and scratched and clawed and pulled hair out of his beard and got away. Well, good on Representative Angie Craig from Minnesota, who when the guy attacked her in the elevator of her apartment building, she threw her coffee in his I mean, she, she literally got punched in the face. He grabbed her by the neck, but she had the foresight to think to throw her hot coffee in his face, and she got away. But the guy shouldn't have been on the street. That's the point. And so now we have a Democrat representative who probably would have never said anything now claiming if you throw somebody in jail for 10 days and think, hey, there's your punishment. We're going to let you right back on the street. She goes, what the blank do you think is going to happen? And she was assault number 13 for a guy who has he's only 26 years old and he has a rap sheet, you know, as long as your arm. What we're seeing this all over the place, though, and I got a few examples of things we're talking about in Alabama. Before I do that, though, another Fox News story came out today. And I find this to be, and I'm so glad. So there's this whole movement right now that George Soros has been funding liberal prosecutors, helping them get elected. Now, we, we had the one in San Francisco that got recalled. And then we have the one in L.A., Gascon, I believe it is, who somehow survived a recall attempt. But we've got, you know, we've got them in, in Baltimore. We've got them in um, Chicago. We've got them in uh, St. Louis. Well, in St. Louis, yeah, the state attorney general has now put Democrat St. Louis Circuit uh, Attorney Kim Gardner on notice that she either resigns or she'll be removed. They have had it. They have had it with her soft on crime, don't prosecute, let them back out, put them on the street policies. So Attorney General Andrew Bailey a Republican, gave Cardner, who's a Democrat, an ultimatum. She has until noon tomorrow. That's tomorrow, tomorrow. Until noon tomorrow to announce her resignation after a motorist 
who repeatedly had violated bond conditions that were soft on him, was out again and had an accident, I believe under the influence, and injured a teenage girl. She's in the hospital in critical condition. Legs are severely damaged. One of them is maimed. And literally her dad was there with her, and the fact that he had um, some prior you know, military training that gave him you know, the, the ability to do quick thinking first aid on the scene, uh, he, he, he saved her life. But she's in, a bad, she's in a bad way right now. So even Democrats are now calling for Gardner to resign. Says many officials, including Democrats, joined in criticizing Gardner. Missouri Senate President Pro Tem Caleb Rowden, who's a Republican, said Gardner should resign, calling her incompetent and grossly unfit. Missouri House Speaker Dean Plocher urged her to step down. Democrat St. Louis Mayor, uh, Mayor uh, Tashara Jones said Gardner has lost the trust of the people. It goes on from there. But folks, what we're seeing more and more and more is that even Democrats are having buyer's remorse on this whole thing about going soft on crime. Seattle may be, Seattle and Portland, Seattle and Portland may be the the ultimate case study in what happens when you let progressives decide to defund police and and to victimize the police as opposed to victimizing the criminals. Fox News. Uh, That's three in a row for Fox News. They're on a roll with me, I guess, right now. Fox News uh, dated yesterday. Seattle reverses its course on defunding police as crime ravages the locals. Yeah. Seattle residents Victoria Beach, Eli Hoshore, and Jonathan Cho said police shortages have left their city in dire straits in the aftermath of the officials' anti-law enforcement rhetoric. Homicides are up by 24%. Motor vehicle thefts are up 30% in one year. Overall crime ticked up a total of 4%. Mayor Bruce Harrell pushed for increased police presence to curb the issue, saying we got to take immediate action and innovation to respond to our public safety issues. We need more officers. Well, this is the defund the police mecca. Says, I think the mayor's on the right track, said one of the people who spoke on Fox. But Seattle's in a huge crisis. Our city has been destroyed. We're not going to get it back anytime soon. And she said that she agrees the city needs more police to help cut back on crime, saying the situation is currently a free-for-all. Said, if you want to commit a crime, move to Seattle. It's a failed social experiment. And that's where we are, really. This whole last couple years has been a social experiment on going soft on crime. And and, and it ain't good. It's It's the average Joe and Jane who put up with it. It's the average citizen in the street. It's the average household. It's, it's the people who just want to know that they've got a government that has their best interest at heart that so often is making it easy to be a criminal and hard, hard to be a citizen. All right, Boomer, take me to a break, brother. We'll do that right now. We'll come right back and sort of move this thing through to conclusion. But, yeah, that's where we are. As I get down to the very end of this segment, you know, i got to tell you, i got an article here from uh, quoting Ron DeSantis about why he believes that Florida has been gaining people while New York and California are losing. Maybe it has something to do with safe streets. All right, you guys, y'all stay tuned. We will be right back.
are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right. So uh, we're in number one of the Triple Dipper Safe Streets. And Boomer, you had a call a moment ago before I go to the phone lines. Yeah, Brian, uh, Brian called in, and uh, he just he was telling me about the sixteen-year-old girl you were talking from talking St. about Louis? in St. Louis. Yeah, um, they had to amputate both of her legs. I believe oh, is what he no. told me. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no. Yeah. I know. Oh, I know. Bless her uh, heart. Oh my gosh. That's... And then yeah. And then you have a caller as well. <laughs> uh, was that, uh, yeah, line, let me do that line one. Is that Jeff? Jeff from Indiana. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, Phil. How are you doing? I'm okay. I don't know if you heard Boomer tell me that news about the young lady in St. Louis. That was as awful. Yeah, that, that's, it, it's sad, and, it, and the blood is on the hands of the prosecutors. Absolutely. I mean, this guy was in and out of jail, in and out, never, never had to really serve any time. Because they got they got this whole notion that if you're soft on the criminal, somehow that helps the streets. And uh, and now we have a young lady who I, I hear now has, has lost both her legs. That's just amazing. I mean, I don't know how how you don't uh, sue the state, you know, for for not doing their job. I mean, they're derelict in their duties and stuff. And and if they keep this up, uh, they're just inviting vigilanteism. Well, because uh, you know it. The, 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 if you're not going to do anything about it legally, then what? What's your other choice? I, I think I would not be a bit surprised to find out there's going to be a civil suit, um, especially when you consider that the the state attorney general has already said she's on notice that the, the prosecutor that she needs to resign. If it's that bad, if they're assigning that level of culpability to the prosecutor, then I would think a civil suit is definitely in order. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I know. <laughs> I would have a hard time keeping away from them, to tell you the truth, if that was my child. No, no kidding. I don't see how there isn't a bunch of people uh, going, you know, you know, when you go to courtrooms and everything and people try to get the perpetrator, you know, and, and know they're going to get arrested or whatever, uh, you know, 80 bar the doors if I if I was, that was my child. No, I, 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 I get it. And, 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 that's, and that's the thing is right now is this young lady – uh, there, there shouldn't have to be a, that was my child. There shouldn't have, there shouldn't even be a thing right now. The, the guy should have been in jail and not on the streets. And, and that's the, that's the, that's the whole crux of it is this was an, a totally avoidable situation, but it was all because of well, a prosecutor well, that was soft on crime. This is the result of people not having enough intelligence to vote. Mm. They, they, they're truly, uh, are, are incompetent, you know, and, you know, everybody says everybody needs to vote. No, we we don't we don't <laughs> let the kids on the short bus drive the bus just because they said, oh, you know, they've had a vote and uh, said, uh, you know, we're going to vote you off. <laughs> well, but you know, the reality is though everybody gets a vote, but what and 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 they do, and that's a constitutional right. But dang, you look at it and think part of it is. How about the candidates actually be who they said they are? And did they run? And I want to know, did these Soros-backed prosecutors, did they literally run saying, hey, I intend to make your streets less safe? Or did they talk about being tough on crime and then got elected to do something else? It, it, it's, it comes down to the electric field. I mean, uh, not smart enough. These, these people are not intelligent enough to self-govern. And, and you know they they may not like to hear that, but that's the honest to God's truth. Well, it's uh it's something. All I know is this: uh, it may have taken a couple years for the for the shine to wear off that apple, but uh, I even think Democrats are having buyer's remorse on some of that right now. 
I uh, hope some of them get a little intelligence. You know. uh, like I say, when it happens to them, that's when they change their view. It's exactly right. Exactly right. Jeff, be careful on the road, man. You take care, all right? Have a good one, Yeah, Phil. you too, buddy. Um, I got several text messages, and we're going to wrap this thing up here in a few minutes, but uh, uh, several text messages. Uh, Jim from Huntsville just texted in, says, Phil, the liberals' policies on crime have not only caused a spike in crime, it's also caused a spike in assaults on police officers. Yeah, there you go. He said, I was a police officer for 26 years, retired in 2021. During that time, he said, I lost four brothers in the line of duty. Three were shot and killed. One died from complications of a car accident. He said, it truly sickens me to see the assault on police officers. It's no surprise that police departments across the country are having trouble recruiting officers. He said, I urge the audience to check out the Officer Down Memorial page and just see the sacrifices officers have made. Jim from Huntsville, man, great text. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Uh, that's a great point. Um, it has made um, streets less safe. It also, by the way, has made the job of being a law enforcement officer, which was not exactly a safe job in the first place, less safe. Um, and then sometimes it's not even just prosecution or the lack thereof. It's not just a DA who doesn't want to follow through. Sometimes it's the executive branch of that particular municipality. I, I, I still take issue, and, and, and even some in law enforcement might disagree with this, but I still take issue with the idea that liberal mayor Randall Woodfin of Birmingham is going to limit the ability of his police officers to serve warrants. In other words, they can't do a no-knock warrant now. If they have reasonable suspicion that something is going on behind that door, now they have to knock, announce themselves, give them a chance to arm up or run out the back door, and then they can enter. Uh, and then the, the other thing is they can't use flashbangs. Why? Because it's scary, I guess. Let me tell you what a flashbang grenade does. It doesn't kill anybody. What it does is it disorients. It disorients the guy behind the door who may be able to grab a weapon and shoot the door as they enter it. By the way, that, that door, that's the kill box. If you've ever been trained to clear rooms, when you, when you first go through the door, that's the kill box. That's, that's the most constrained portion of the entire motion of entering the room right there. And so all that a, that a flashbang grenade does is disorient the potential bad guy. Disorient them long enough to allow the good guys to get in the door and maybe stop anybody from dying. But no, liberal mayor Randall Woodfin wants to make sure that the police don't have the upper hand. So, yeah, things like that, they, they don't help. Uh, they don't help at all. We're going to come back from this break here in just a minute. We're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail and sort of wrap this section up. And then coming up at the bottom of the next hour, you're going to want to stay tuned as we got uh, Congressman Gary Palmer is going to be on the line with us. Looking forward to that. Congressman Palmer has been doing a great job up in D.C., but he started off uh, founding and running the Alabama Policy Institute, where I used to be on staff uh, for 24 years. All right. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, hour one in the can. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
all you right side ruffians. You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, the local, the state, the national, covering down on all the issues in hour number two. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, yeah, it's hard. It's hour number two already. I mean, flies by. Did I talk that much? Hey, I guess I did. Already. Already did. <laughs> man, man, go ahead, and, go ahead and put that one in the books. Um, I got the text lines are open, by the way. If you want to text in, we've been talking about uh, safe streets, or are they safe? Uh, so, yeah, the number here, 833-687-4448. That's 833-68-RIGHT. That's the number. Text us your thoughts on this. Um, so uh, Bob from Decatur just texted in and said, now yet another set of lies, the insurrection is being exposed. Kevin and Tucker, Kevin McCarthy and Tucker Carlson are to be commended. Yeah, I, I I I can't wait to see what comes out of it. You know what? Even if they, you know, here's the deal. Let me back up. What he's talking about there is during my monologue I mentioned, and I'll be talking about it in more detail in a minute. That um, Tucker Carlson has been given access to forty one thousand hours of closed circuit TV footage taken from the Capitol during the twenty four hour period around January sixth. Even if nothing comes out of it to change the narrative of the January sixth commission. Even if nothing in there exonerates a single person, even if nothing in that footage is any different than what Joy Behar and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and have all said, it's still the right thing to do. Now, do I believe we're going to find out some new stuff? Yep, I do. Uh, do I believe that we're going to wind up seeing that there actually was another side to the story? Yes, I do. Um, but I don't care if we do or not. I mean, if I do, let me put it that way. I, I, if we don't, I'm okay with the idea of continuing to have transparency, even if it doesn't match what I want it to be. That's important. You can't just want it just because it fits your own narrative because then you're no better than they are. The first and most important thing here is that we have true transparency. We have the opportunity to review the records. And, oh, man, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself because i got a whole segment built on this. I won't go into all of it right now. But, man, the Democrats are having a freak out. Wait, wait, wait. You can't you can't look at that. That's um, There's a good reason why you shouldn't. Um, security. I think you're violating security protocols. No, we're not. <laughs> Knuckleheads. Um, all right. So, yeah, thank, thank you, Bob from Decatur. Appreciate the text on that. Uh, what else we got on here? Um, uh Oh, Randall from Newmarket says, the man for the job for safe streets is Buford Pusser. Do you know who that was, Boomer? Buford Pusser? True story. True story? Yeah, true story. Walking Tall. There was, a, there was a movie, there was a remake of Walking Tall made with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I, I, right. I know that one. But the original was more true to form, and it was the story of Buford Pusser, who was a sheriff who decided he was going to clean up his town, and he pretty much did it with a two-by-four in his hand. Just Really? Just... Just did did a little whomping, 
Oh. That's back in the days when back law enforcement the... could do a little whomping. Do a little whomping. Yeah, Randall from Newmarket, thank you for reminding us of Buford Pusser. May, may he rest in peace. Brian from Huntsville says, no flashbangs. PETA must be worried about pets. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Ike from Somerville just texted in. Says, uh, soft on crime. Maybe the DAs and the prosecutors should do the time. Mm. Wow. Mm. Uh, JT from Lacey Springs says, seems Democrats have been uh, armchair lawmakers, and now they're facing 350-pound linemen. Yeah, so they, they yeah. <laughs> went from being armchair quarterbacks, I guess. They're armchair lawmakers. Now, all of a sudden, it got real. Um, so, yeah, things that I see around the world that I look at and go, mm, that don't make no sense, and we're talking about safe streets. Story from uh, yesterday, two days ago, actually, from uh, up yonder in Minnesota. Up yonder in Minnesota, Democrats look to make a big change to corrections in Minnesota. What are they planning on doing? They're planning on reducing sentences across the board. Now, we got this issue right now with early release in Alabama. We're looking right now at Democrats in Minnesota who continue to boggle my mind, by the way. They are the most liberal. I, mean, I thought San Francisco had it going on, Minneapolis. Man. But nonetheless... Story here from alphanews.org. Minnesota Democrats have introduced a bill that allow inmates to earn early release credits. Now, didn't we just change that here in Alabama? Oh, yes. Yes, we did. So the, the thing here was called Good Time. You know, there's a now, now I want to sing the theme song to Good Times from the 1970s. No. Um, there was a thing here we called Good Time where you can have your sentence reduced for having done certain things or not done certain things. And the governor had to wind up uh, fixing some stuff, if you know what I mean. She had to put out an executive order halting it and making changes after we had uh, a member of law enforcement die at the hands of someone who'd been released on good time. In Minnesota, they want to up it, all right? They want to go even further into what they call a game-changing proposition. Authored by a Democrat named Jamie Becker, um, the Minnesota Rehabilitation and Reinvestment Act seeks to incentivize participation in rehab programs by offering early release. So basically, if you're in prison and you get a 20-year sentence, but you'll go through uh, drug rehab or you'll go through some other type of programs, um, then you can get early, in, early release incentives, and they, they can begin to reduce your sentence. Now, here's the thing. I'm for pretrial diversion programs. If you're not familiar with those, that's a case where the criminal, or the, at least the accused, stands before the judge, and the judge will look at them, and depending upon the offense, the judge may say, if you will go through a rehab program, or if you will do this in a halfway house, or whatever, if you'll, if you'll take part in this controlled environment program, and you will successfully graduate, then I will delay sentencing and allow you the opportunity to do that, and perhaps even reduce or um, uh, do away with your sentence. And they're allowed to do that, pretrial diversion. That's before they get in jail. That's before they have a sentencing. But Democrats in Minneapolis, they want someone to be sentenced first and then, oh, by the way, be able to get out early. At that point, to me, it's a little late. They're saying here this could even let people have their sentence reduced by half. Half. Folks, that's just not right. I want to know where the victims' groups are in this situation. We're bringing it back home to Alabama as we wind down this topic on safe streets. So 
State Senator, former State Senator Cam Ward, who I served with in Montgomery, we actually chaired and vice chaired Judiciary and the Committee on Fiscal Responsibility together. But um, he is now the head of pardons and paroles for the state of Alabama. He says 2.3% of inmates on early release have reoffended. Okay, so just to back things up here, story really broke about two, two and a half weeks ago in Alabama that a law that was passed in 2021 by the state legislature as a part of the overall prison package was letting people out early, like real early. If they were within a certain period of time of their release anyway, they're getting them out and putting ankle bracelets on them and sending them out in the streets and then hopefully things go well. Well, he's saying that some have reoffended. Now, I believe when he says 2.3%, he's saying that he's He's pleased with that number, meaning that like 97.7% are not reoffending, is what he's saying. But I look at it and go, wow, so some of them did reoffend, and they shouldn't have been on the street in the first place. So maybe we need to tighten up the, the, the program and the legislature revisit this issue. But Ward says he feels like we're on the right path, he said at a recent hearing. He says if our goal is to reduce recidivism and therefore increase public safety, I think we're in a position to do that. And a lot of that comes from the ankle monitoring. And he talks about the fact that they had $4.6 million assigned by the legislature appropriated for electronic monitoring. Okay. That being said, how do you feel about it? Are you okay with folks getting out earlier? Or do you want them to serve their sentence and then get out? Well, a couple things that are happening that we could see around the nation. And I was going to talk about a, a, another program we got in Alabama, but I think I'll put it off to the side for the now. I'll end up with this. Fox News has a story from January of this year in which Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who many believe is going to wind up being a top candidate for president pretty soon, got Ron DeSantis has says that self, soft on crime policies and woke ideologies in other states are the reasons why Florida is now the fastest growing state in the country. And I believe he may be right. He said it during his second inaugural address. He says, we will always support law enforcement. We will always reject soft on crime policies that put our communities at risk. And he says that Florida's fast-growing population is in part because people want law and order. And that I agree with. People want to know that when their kids walk to the bus stop or that when they go downtown to meet somebody for dinner or that when they drive up in their own driveway, for that matter, that they are in a place where it is safe because they pay their tax dollars. They expect that one of the essential services of government will be to provide safe streets. Article here says the Census Bureau reported that areas of the country with blue states, the Northeast and the Midwest, each lost population as Americans are moving to the South. Alabama, by the way, is one of the fastest growing also. Huntsville, Alabama, is the number 10 in the nation for the housing market. All that to say, folks, I agree with these statements. He says many of these cities and states have embraced a faddish ideology at the expense of enduring principles. They've harmed public safety by coddling criminals and attacking law enforcement. I completely agree. Safe streets, it's not too much to ask. In fact, safe streets is an expectation. Safe streets is an essential service of government. When you pay your tax dollars, it is not just so you can have a street to drive on. It's so you can have a safe street to drive on for you and your family and your loved ones. That is not too much to ask. 
All right, Boomer, take it to the break, brother. We'll do that right now. We will come right back. Keep this thing moving. we got a call with Congressman Gary Palmer coming up bottom of the hour. Uh, looking forward to that. Then top of the hour, oh, yeah, Boomer and McQueen. And then we got all kinds of other good stuff mixed in. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. So, uh, we, Boomer and I had a fascinating conversation off the air. So, what? How, how did you? How did you start that? What were we? What were we talking about? Was it Jeff's call that, that sparked that a minute ago? Yeah. So when when Jeff was calling in, we were talking we were talking about the safe streets, and then the voters. He started saying, "Well, yeah. it all goes down to the voters." Yeah. And then in my head, I was thinking, okay. <laughs> as a as a younger voter myself, yeah, you know when I was when I turned eighteen, I immediately just voted Republican because I I could, yeah, I was a Republican. I'm doing this. I'm a conservative. Gotcha. I got this. Gotcha. So I never really listened to you know any of the politicians or what they're going at. But I knew my I knew what I stood for. Okay. Okay. And say I have another friend. Let's just hypothetically say I have a, a really big Democrat friend. <laughs> <laughs> hypothetically. I'm just, just going to say Hypothetically. That. Hypothetically, okay? And then we start talking about something. But then we're like, okay, we're, we're really close on a lot of different, you know, subjects and um, political th- views. And I'm like, you're not really a Democrat. Oh, yes, I am. No, no, you're <laughs> not a Democrat. But, and then they still just check mark the Democrat. On the thing, how does a politician or someone get to that person and convince them yeah. that they're not because their views are actually oh aligned with them? We could spend a whole hour on this. Um, so, uh, <laughs> now, what a huge question. So, you know, like, all right, and I'm going to probably uh, anger half my listening base right now, but I'm an Auburn fan, right? But I, I may be an Auburn fan, so that's who I cheer for. But I don't know every player and all the stats of every player on the team. And if the, if, and with, with a few exceptions, if the coach subs somebody into a position, I may or may not even recognize that it happened, but I still cheer for that team. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, so absolutely. Politics can sometimes be the same way. There ain't nothing wrong with having your team. 
There's nothing wrong with somebody saying, I, I choose to, to vote straight ticket Republican because the one thing that does for you is if you don't know every candidate and every issue they stand on, at the very least, you recognize they align with a team that you like, okay? So there's that. Now, what I always, though, encourage people to do is try to find the issues and try to find a broad base of issues. Don't just be a single-issue voter. There, there are those who are single-issue voters. How do you feel about abortion? That's how I vote. You know, I, mean, I, I get it. Mm -hmm. But to some degree, there might be uh, more going on. Like, get the big picture. It's abortion and fiscal policy and how do they feel about education and what are they going to do? Anyway, all that to say, um, how does it – I think your, your original question – I'm getting off on a, on a rabbit trail here. I think your original question, though, was how does the political candidate get out there and convince people – who they are. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, it's so, just, I mean, it's a hard thing. It is. So you're going to have your base. You're going to have your straight ticket voters, the kind who are, they call them your base. You're going to have your base that are literally going to say, that's who I vote for in that party. I don't even care what else they say. That's my party. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, cool. And then you're going to have that on both sides of the aisle. It's the, it's the, it's the, the swing voters, the ones who, can be convinced one way or the other. They might be strong on fiscal policy, weak on, you know, social culture war type issues or vice versa. And so you can grab their attention. You have back in the day uh, when uh, Reagan was running against Carter, you had a movement called the Reagan Democrats. And they were, they were people who had been voting uh, in the South as a yellow dog Democrat for years. And, and Jimmy Carter got elected. And they were like, you know what? think we're done with this because they began to find things they didn't like anymore because the Republicans began to message more effectively. Mm. Um, so they became more aware of what they actually stood for. Yeah. And you got to find, sometimes it's going to be a populist issue. Mm. There, are, there are some folks that say, you know, just being a populist, you know, Republican or a populist Democrat, all that is just red meat, man. You're just, so what? It's what people care about. Mm -hmm. So you go find those issues and that's why pollsters have such a job, right? You go find those issues that resonate, and you stake your ground on those, and then you got to spend all the money in the world it takes to get the word out to everybody. And that's why it was so maddening that Twitter deplatformed the story about the Hunter Biden laptop mm. because it was, it was a story that would have had an impact, many believe, in the outcome of the election, and Twitter suppressed it, and all of a sudden— one of those ways that you're asking about that people get the word out, right? Just went away, vanished. Yeah, just it, so. Anyway, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Did I? Yeah, you you did. I mean, do you just, really have a friend who's a Democrat? I don't know. Do I? <laughs> I used to at least. <laughs> <laughs> then you started working for Right Side Radio, and they wrote you off. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was. We've lost Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a, it's, it's a great question, and uh, uh, maybe maybe we'll deal with some of that in Boomer and McQueen later maybe. in the show. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Better prepare something then. <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Hey, listen, up. coming up in just a minute. That was a great aside, by the way. I don't even, dude, that, was, that was like an unplanned segment. Um, coming up here in just a minute, though, we got a call with Congressman Gary Palmer. Uh, he is um, uh, representing Alabama's 6th Congressional District. Uh, he is a member of leadership after only a few years in D.C., and uh, he also has been working policy issues here in Alabama for three decades. You guys stay tuned. Congressman Gary Palmer coming up next. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We'll be right back.
Hey, all you right-side ruffians out there, you are listening to Right Side Radio Solid Conservative Just Plain Right. And we are back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right, covering some major ground across the northern half of the beautiful state of Alabama. I'm talking about this show goes way on down south of Birmingham, up north of Huntsville, Tuscaloosa, back to Gadsden, parts of Georgia, Tennessee, and Mississippi, thrown in just for good measure. Well, hey, listen, we're going to go right now to the phones. I'm, I'm pleased to have somebody coming on who has been literally in the trenches working policy issues for the conservative cause in Alabama now for at least three decades or more. Uh, Congressman Gary Palmer, uh, he currently represents Alabama's uh, sixth congressional district. Uh, but prior to that, I believe it was 24 years of time he spent founding and running the Alabama Policy Institute, where I was proud to be on staff for several years uh, before starting Right Side Radio. So uh, without further ado, I'm bringing on uh, chairman of the House GOP Policy Committee, member of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, Congressman Gary Palmer. How are you doing today, sir? Good, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Well, absolutely. Thank you for making time for us. Uh, I think you're back in the state right now, aren't you? Yes. Um, we um, had a number of meetings today. We, we host a quarterly lunch for all of the mayors in the district, and that was today and then tonight. We've got our academy night for the, the high school seniors who've received nominations to the military academies. Many of them have already been um, accepted. Oh, that's awesome. That, I think that's probably one of the uh, the finer moments of uh, the job you have right now is getting to, to, to tap uh, folks like that for, for, for going to the academy. Yeah, we have uh, a tough process. We made it tough because you want to separate – the ones who like the idea of going to a military academy from those who want to go there because they want to serve our country and our armed forces. And I'm, I'm, I wanted it so that there's no politics, so that, you know, I don't have somebody come up and tell me how great their grandson or granddaughter is. And the reason I do that, Phil, and you know this, you served in the military. Uh, I understand that we need to send the best we have because one day, and I hope I hope this doesn't happen, but one day, these people that, that we're nominating for these uh, positions in the military academies may be leading somebody else's son or daughter or mm. grandson or granddaughter into battle. Yeah. And I want the best we've got. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. And uh, and thank you for that. Well, listen, speaking of that, uh, Congressman, what I want to do is to spend a few minutes. I mean, you, you're in a position of leadership within um, not just Alabama's U.S. delegation, but also the, the House GOP overall. Um, and there's so much right now in the news. I mean, I feel like it's a target-rich environment for a conservative talk show. But um, I wanted to take a few topics and just get your perspective, kind of run the gamut if we can. And since you just mentioned the military first, I'll, I'll change the order in which I was going to do things and just ask you your thoughts right now on the situation in Ukraine and on the idea that China may be collaboratively working in the future here with uh, Russia. Uh, just give me your thoughts on that, where you see things headed. Well, China's been involved with Russia from from the get-go, uh, just not as as open as they are right now. Um, I think uh, I know there are a lot of people that think we should just completely pull out of Ukraine, but I think at this point, uh, if we did that, it would be viewed in the same light as the disastrous Afghanistan uh, withdrawal, and uh, would I think 
tremendously weaken the U.S. Uh, standing in the world and, and completely undermine any confidence that our NATO allies have in us. So it's one of those things, you're in the briar patch now. But the interesting thing that I try to point out to people is that if anybody were asked, do you consider the, the Russian uh, military, their conventional forces, to be a superpower, I think 99 and 9-10% of the people would have said yes. But uh, what's happened uh, in Ukraine has, has proven that, that they're at best second class, if not worse. Mm. And their, their conventional military forces have been incredibly degraded by this. And uh, as far as the money goes that, that we spent, it's, I, I think, honestly, it's about $113, $115 billion. But most of the money has been spent in the United States uh, procuring the weapons that, that we've uh, provided to them. So we've uh, the vast majority of the money is spent here and not over there. But uh, as I pointed out, if we had not gotten involved and Russia had taken Ukraine, which most of us thought would happen fairly quickly, they would have taken Moldova and then the Republic of Georgia and then probably the Baltic states, which are members of NATO, and would be in another Cold War. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we would have been in a shooting war, but I think we'd definitely be back in a Cold War, which I think you served during that time, didn't you? I did, yes, sir. And uh, from 1946 to 1991, we spent somewhere uh, between 6 and $8 trillion uh, in the Cold War. So, so in, in a year... Uh, for not even a drop in the drop in the bucket, uh, we have seen Russia's ability to project power significantly uh, diminished. Uh, and, and it's going to be uh, a decade or longer before they recover from this once this thing's over. But uh, I don't like what's going on. Uh, it's not where uh, uh, any of us want to be. But it's it's where we are, and and then in regard to China, I think China is learning something here that I think may have actually uh, kept them from from launching an invasion on Taiwan. Uh, if if we provide the the military resources to Taiwan, which I believe we are, uh, and China wanted to attack Taiwan, they're not they're not driving over uh, across the street, so to speak, across land. Uh, to launch an attack, they've got across the Strait of Taiwan, and uh, and I and you know we can't say how well the Taiwanese military would resist, but the uh, losses that potentially it could be inflicted on China would 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 far exceed that in Russia. So, in, in an odd sort of way, maybe the conflict in Ukraine has served as a deterrent to China. I think that's possible. And, 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 and let me ask you this, though. And I, I'm one of those conservatives who I agree with you. I don't mind the idea that we are trying to stop Russia from having its way uh, on European soil and just deciding it wants to take sovereign territory and, and just bully its way around. And I think it's also been uh, good in our national interest to see the Russian bear uh, proven to be somewhat toothless. Its, it's military is not what we thought it was. But here's here's the concern I do have is I have not heard the Biden administration clearly articulate what its foreign or military policy is. I mean, we're, we we do have to stop Russia, but it, when, when what what's the what's the end state? What is the goal? What are the milestones we're trying to achieve? Are you seeing anything in D.C. right now that tells you that the Biden administration has a clearly articulated foreign policy that we can all identify with and go, oh, there it is. I don't think they do. I, th I think before you can articulate a policy, 
Phil, you've got to have one. Yeah. And I'm trying to a certain extent to fill that gap. I just spoke at a global energy summit uh, out in Houston, and I've had meetings with a number of people from Latin America and and, and Europe about uh, 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 energy policy. And, and, and you're going to think, well, how does that connect to this? What the UK, war in Ukraine has uh, done is it, it didn't cause the energy crisis. It exposed it mm. and exposed the fact. Uh, and, and I pointed this out. I, the, the ambassador from Norway was in this meeting, the consul general from France, and a number of, of European nations. Uh, and, and, and what I've told them is, is look, we have really messed up over the last decade or so in letting our hydrocarbon infrastructure decline. We haven't built the refiners we need or the LNG facilities or the, ves- the, the, the LNG vessels or the pipelines. And, and Europe in particular ha- has uh, discovered, because of the war in Ukraine, that it is not in their national interest. It's a national security issue to depend on an adversarial nation for something as critical as, as the energy to, to run your economy. And this idea here in the United States that we're going to go to 100% renewables because of this false yeah. premise that we need oil and gas from other countries is ridiculous. Yeah. We, we, we're energy independent, but if we go to renewables, we'll, we'll be dependent on China. So, uh, And I don't know what my time frame is here for when you need to take a break, so just cut me off whenever you need to. But the thing that I've been pushing now is looking at what China's done and, and, and the amount of influence they have in Latin America, particularly South America, is, is our end game needs to be a Western Hemisphere Alliance for Prosperity and Security, where, where we're going to rebuild our hydrocarbon uh, infrastructure around natural gas and, and, and later, and, and, uh, and where appropriate, around next generation nuclear, and start working within our own hemisphere uh, protecting our own backyard with soft power uh, as a way to uh, to uh, regain our influence in our own region against China. No, I, I I completely agree, and and you're talking, you know, in in the in the in the times that I've had in, in studying foreign policy, the the whole acronym of DIME, the diplomacy, the inf- information intelligence, the military, the economic, all of it has to swirl together in a cohesive way. Yeah. And you just you just mentioned something, Congressman, and we've got about two and a half minutes for the break. But let me ask you this. Uh, in our hemisphere, southern border, um, now I am so pleased to see that Kevin McCarthy is going to be bringing hearings down to the southern border. I think that's necessary. Some are calling it political theater. I think it has to happen because it highlights in a big way, what's going on down there. Um, are we going to see any change in southern border policy from the Biden administration without taking back the Senate? Uh, I would say no, but it, it, but it depends on what we try to push forward because the Hill uh, publication, which you're familiar with, the yeah. Hill, there are not many people in Alabama familiar with it, but it's an inside the Beltway publication, said there are eight Democrats uh, eight seats that are very likely going to flip in the next election. Seven of them are Democrat seats, and the the, the eighth one is Kirsten Sinema, who who uh, declared herself an independent. Because of that, I think we might be able to find some Democrats like a John Tester or Joe Manchin or a Kirsten Sinema that'd be willing to work with us on some border policy. But going back to to this issue and, and Kevin going to the border, uh, I've been down to the border twice. I'm planning to go back, and, and what people need to understand, when, when we, we have these hearings at the border, you see the Rio Grande River in the background, 
they all know we're coming. They clean everything up. All you'll see on the other side of the river, a bunch of people fishing, yeah. talking on their cell phone. Well, I promise you, there's no bait on that hook. Uh, it, it's it's all a shell game. We need to be talking to people 25, 50 miles uh, uh, inside the border who are having their agricultural crops trampled down, who are putting guard dogs in their yard and fencing in their yard because they're afraid for their kids to go out and play. And, and how destructive this has been to to the lives of, of farmers and ranchers and, and small business owners uh, across the border. And it's that way from Texas to New Mexico to Arizona yeah. and, and even in California. We, we need to tell this story a little bit differently than what we've been telling. But the other thing is, is uh, and you may know this, Phil, because you have pretty good information, but We've picked up over 3,000 Chinese nationals crossing our southern border from Texas to California. Wow. And, and I think it's a problem. Yeah. It's an, I think this is now a national security issue, not just from the fentanyl and the number of people dying from drug overdoses, but for the potential, potential of, of some people with really bad intent coming into the country. Well, and and and, uh, and thank you for saying that. And we, we pointed that out on the show. I think it was last week. Uh, the number of Chinese nationals has, uh, I want to say, is is something like like one hundred and twenty percent more than it's been in, in previous years. But Congressman, we oh, got to yeah. take a break right now. Uh, if you can hang on during this break, I'd like to come back and just wrap up the half hour with you here. Uh, talk about fiscal policy and inflationary uh, uh, issues. Sure. Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. All right. We are on with uh, Congressman Gary Palmer, representing the sixth district of Alabama. And uh, just kind of running the gamut on the issues. You guys stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, covering all of North Alabama, solid conservative and just plain right, making it cool to be a conservative. Hey, we're going right back to the phones right now. Congressman Gary Palmer represents the 6th District of Alabama. Uh, he has uh, a long history working in policy issues, having been for, uh, I believe, 24 years the head of the Alabama Policy Institute before he headed to D.C. to represent uh, Alabama's U.S. delegation. And uh, he currently also chairs the House Republican Policy Committee, as well as sitting on a number of other very uh, important committees. Uh, Congressman, thanks for spending some time with us today. Glad to, Phil. Well, hey, sir, let me let me ask you this. Um, uh, a recent article came out, AL Daily News has a piece uh, talking about your own personal priorities, one of which is trying to get a, uh, a handle on inflation and on fiscal policy. And, you know, there are some who say it's been the you know, the, the massive government spending that has contributed to the, uh, the inflation that we've seen. I mean, bacon's up 17 percent. Uh, the Fed has raised the interest rate such that it's impacting the housing market now uh, in a great way. What are your thoughts? Are we going to get inflation under control? And by the way, we got about four minutes. Okay, I'll make it quick. Uh, inflation is basically the bri- main byproduct of three things. It's government spending. You've got more money in, in, uh, in the market than there's goods to meet uh, the from Dubai, and that 
immediately shot things up. But the single thing that after that that has really driven up prices is energy costs. And uh, within the first week or two of the Biden administration, he not only stopped construction of the Keystone XL pipeline that would have brought 835,000 barrels of Canadian oil into the country on a daily basis. He suspended leases on federal lands for oil and natural gas. And that immediately caused energy futures to go up. But the third thing is is regulatory costs. In his first year in office, Phil, Biden added over $200 billion in regulatory costs. That's a hidden tax that gets passed on to the consumers. So when you look at the massive amount of government spending, uh, the increase in energy costs and everything that you and I have come in contact with today that we've consumed or used has an energy cost, and add to that this hidden tax of, of regulation, and you can see why we why we're in the mess we're in. Yeah. Uh, and I do think we can bring it down because Congress can can impact all three of those. Well, and and I, and I would hope so. Uh, now Congress doesn't control the Fed. But do you see the Fed beginning to relax on, on its interest rate hikes or anything else happening that we can see that's going to be truly measurable that won't take an extended amount of time for it to have an impact? Well, I, I think if we can get these other three uh, manageable uh, and inflation starts to decline, I think the Fed will, will back off a little bit. Uh, I've read something today that it doesn't look like the Fed's going to reach its 2% inflation uh, mark by the in the time frame that they wanted, but uh, I, I do think that we can get it back to to a, a manageable level, uh, and uh, and if we have a change in administration, as I believe we will in 24, and then get control of the Senate, I think we can do even more. And we saw that with the Trump administration. The first thing, just to give you a comparison, the first 14 bills that we passed uh, his, uh, when Trump was in the office his first year were all deregulation bills. They were uh, Congressional Review Act legislation that rolled back some of the more egregious regulations imposed uh, by the Obama administration. That's what jump-started the economy. And then later that year, we passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And I think uh, by the end of that second year of him in office, the inflation rate was like 1.9%. So we, we, there are things that I think we can do. I don't know that we will have as dramatic an impact, but we're going to make a, uh, take a long, hard look at, at the regulations that Biden has imposed and either do recensions and appropriations bills or do Congressional Review Act uh, legislation, which can't be filibustered in the Senate, by the way, and, and maybe get some of those eight senators that are running for reelection on board with us. Well, uh, Congressman, uh, 2024 can't get here fast enough as far as I'm concerned, but um, I want to I want to thank you for your time today. I mean, I don't think we even scratched the surface, so I'm going to go ahead and just give you an open invitation to be back on the show. I want to I want to have some deep dives with you in the future, maybe even have you in studio, but we sure appreciate your time today, sir. Well, I'd be happy to do it, Phil. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. That was Congressman Gary Palmer. Um, he's he's been a policy hawk now for uh, for years. And folks, I, I don't even begin to tell you uh, to the extent that the Alabama Policy Institute that he founded uh, over 30 years ago uh, has had an impact on conservative public policy in this state. You know, our friend uh, uh, Stephanie Smith, who comes on every week and will probably be on tomorrow, um, she's the head of API now. I was proud to be on staff there for several years. But uh, Congressman Palmer took what he learned in working API. He's now in Congress, and we'll have him back on again sometime soon. All right, coming up next, 
my truly favorite moment of the week. Boomer McQueen. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. side ruffians out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right you're listening live to right side radio with phil williams it's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side right side radio solid conservative and just plain right And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, Alabama's syndicated news talk leader. I'm talking about we cover all the local, the state, the national, all the issues. And like the dude just said, solid, conservative, and just plain right. How is it possible that we're in hour number three? Oh, time flies when you're having fun. I am pretty sure John from Huntsville is going to say, you didn't get all three dippers done today, because I just don't know how we could possibly get them all done today. He definitely is. The only way I can get all three dippers done is if I didn't do my favorite segment, which we're about to do, which is Boomer and McQueen. That's right. And we got to do Boomer and McQueen. Yeah, I mean, got to. Got a sound effect. So hit it. <laughs> All right, so Boomer and McQueen, you guys are the team. Y'all are the y'all are the some of the people in the background that make all this stuff around here work. I mean, I can sit here and just yell into this microphone all day long, but I can't do a thing if y'all aren't doing your thing. <laughs> so, uh, love you guys. You're also the host, by the way, of the brand newest piece of the right side multiverse. Multiverse. It's got a nice ring to it, it doesn't does. it? It does. It does. I really like that. Yeah, the, the right the right life podcast. Which is already making a dent. I mean, you got hundreds of subscribers. It's, it's being downloaded like by scads. Scads. <laughs> is that a word? Scads. Scads. Scads of them. Scads. You got tons of them. We're All right. So much fun with it, though. I said, you know, what, three weeks ago, we had no idea what we were doing. Three weeks later, we still have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> and it's awesome. And it's, <laughs> and it's a lot of fun. Uh, oh, that's good. All right, hey, uh, okay, so here's the thing. Those of you all that are new to this segment, so um, these are two of my favorite millennials, all right? They are, I, I guess y'all are millennials, is that right? We're kind of like in between millennial and the, the other one. one. And the other one, <laughs> the, the Gen Z, Gen X. Millennial. Yeah, yeah. we're kind of in, in Gen between. Gen whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, anyway, the bottom line is you're in the generation right behind me, mm-hmm. all right? uh, or right ahead of me, whichever you look at it. And and so I love getting a perspective that's not mine sometimes, and uh, and you guys do a good job at articulating it. So I just throw out questions, you guys answer best you can. Tell me what your thoughts are. Here's the first question. Uh, so... That whole train derailment thing in East Palestine, Ohio, uh, it's been pretty awful. Mm. Uh, it's caused a huge amount of you know, fear and disruption in the lives of, of families. You guys are a young family. Uh, you got great kids. Um, what are your thoughts on what's happening in East Palestine? What, 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 I mean, how do you relate to it or what do you think of it? And then at the same time, 
are we seeing the right kind of response to it? Um, who, who's first? Ladies yeah, first? All I'll right, go, go on it. Yeah, go on it. I mean, I think it's just really, I mean, obviously it's more than unfortunate and really scary just because we don't know quite the magnitude of, I mean, it's, a, it's of huge magnitude, but we don't know how or what to what magnitude you know this damage yeah Yeah, it is and you know we're having health concerns or health issues health issues already arising over the last couple weeks from people um you know and like the epa saying that we're going to do all this but like soil contamination wasn't part of their cleanup plan or at least originally maybe that's changed i hadn't heard that yeah so it's like you know how deep does this really go and i think even more so concerning than all these health issues that could arise from it it's just the fact that like what are the facts? Like, we don't know. Like, because they just hid so much of it, especially in the beginning. It was so under wraps, kind of covered up. And it just, it makes it really hard to, like, know what to believe, what to trust. And then the fact that there's been multiple derailments of a pretty large magnitude recently. Okay. And yeah. even, I think, this week. So It was another, it was a cold derailment of a, a one just recently. Yeah, I think yeah. it was, like, two nights ago, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is just as scary as like just the, the actual issue is that they kind of keep they keep happening. So it just makes you question a lot of things. And I think, again, like we're just not really I feel like we're not being told the facts, which I feel like is why this show is so important that we're able to, you know, hear the truth because it's just not it's not out there and readily available for us. So we're about truth here. That's right. Truth. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right side radio truth. Well, Because you're not you're not hearing it, you know, in other from other mediums. And it's just that's that's really scary yeah. to me. OK, well, on the other side of it yes all those things but i think it was a debacle that the government or the president of the united states or the vice president or whoever should have shown up there yeah more i mean way earlier than three weeks which was today when booty gig just showed up <laughs> booty gig <laughs> when, the booty, when the booty gig showed yeah. up wearing his designer shoes wearing his designer shoes i mean i mean Trump sent all, I mean, he even showed up. I, I was mean, just saying, was wasn't like, Trump just there? Yeah. He was yeah. yesterday, yeah. yeah. And then he also sent, like, waters and all kinds of stuff and gave it to him. Like, and then on the other side of things where we're giving more money to Ukraine and we're not giving money to Ohio? Yeah. Right? Come on. So so l- let me ask I mean, you about I that. I get it. I mean, I, I don't get it. I don't understand necessarily why we can't help that when it's such a it's such a big deal for that hu- that big community. So let me ask you about that, though. You brought up the fact that the government finally showed up today. Uh, the EPA, uh, Buttigieg from the DOT, um, does that matter? Why, why, or, or, or if it does, why does it matter that, that somebody shows up and, and walks the ground? Like, like, why should they have? Yeah. Well, one, it shows that they care. Okay, that, first of go. all, just that right there. It shows that they care and that they, they are in this with you and that mm-hmm. they will help. You know, they're going to try to figure out a way to help you. Well, it's like boots on the ground. I'm here to stand beside you and help you walk through this as opposed to... I'm holier than thou, and that's beneath me. And we don't, we aren't worried about you. We got other problems. Mm. That's that's kind of the message it's been sending. I mean, why does why does the church go help other people when they're in need? Because mm-hmm. they want to be hand in hand with them, showing them that there is someone here with you, yeah. and we're going to walk with you. And there's somebody above us that is taking care of you. I, I can remember when I was in the state senate, uh, uh, going to tornado damage, you know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 like being there right after it happened. And then also escorting the governor through, uh, and mm. and you know, and, and it wasn't like she or I were changing lives by being there, but the but the, the people could see that government knows that I'm here yep. and I haven't been forgotten. Said I, such a strong message I, to the people. Yeah. I remember here in in Gadsden, um, I, I 
can't tell you how old I was, but when a tornado came through here and through the surrounding cities, I remember vividly standing out on the street watching President Bush drive by. No kidding. Because I remember he showed up to yeah. do that. Yeah. Wow, that's that's huge. Yeah. It made an impact. Yes. Well, I think that's the thing. I, I think I think you both nailed it. That that it's nobody expects Pete Booty Judge to show up and suddenly the water's clearer. Mm-hmm. Correct. But they know that someone is aware and is it's on their radar. Yep. On their and, radar. And sometimes that that is just as important as actually getting the water cleared fast. Yeah. Well, just like as humans, I think that's one of our greatest needs is like to know that someone hears us, you know, like that we were heard and yeah, it's just it's sad that's taken this long for that to even be yeah. somewhat mm-hmm. shown that that Yeah. You know. Even if the president himself hasn't come down there, You'd think he would have at least gone to the podium mm-hmm. and said something. And addressed it. Yeah, at been least like address a, it. I mean, like, like so many opportunities to do so. Yeah, yeah, where's the no, crickets? It was, it, was just the, it was just these crickets. That's all we heard. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> crickets. Oh. That's it. That's all <laughs> we heard. Good. That's what happens when you give Boomer a bunch of buttons with sound effects over there. <laughs> i got to make, make some more. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Hey, good stuff. So let me, let me, all right, let me switch gears. Total switch gears. We got, what, about Total, four and okay. three and a half to four minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how do we possibly do this much stuff in one 30-minute second? I don't know. <laughs> All right, so we're already seeing the 2024 elections. I had Congressman Palmer on a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. One of the last things I said to him was 2024. can't get here fast enough. Yeah. All right, so 2024 elections are already warming up. Uh, we know that uh, Nikki Haley is running. Donald Trump is running. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is running. I'm very intrigued by his candidacy um, and believe that Ron DeSantis is probably going to declare sometime soon. Democrats right now are still saying we think we're going to have Joe Biden, but you can also tell that there's a little bit of buyer's remorse on that. All right, so what are the issues, though? Candidates aside, what are the issues that you personally care? I don't care what it is. What are the issues that you care most about, and what about your generation? Well, if we can get term limits, whoever puts term limits on it, they get my vote. Wow. (laughs) She just jumped right in. just comes out swinging, man. Term limits. Give me some of those. (laughs) Wow. And I'll take care of half the problems. You knew what those were. I didn't know what those were until I started working on the show. I mean, don't don't ask me any more detail about it, but, you know, them term limits. (laughs) Get you a whole cannon of term limits. They never expire. Oh, gosh. It's like, where do you even start? There's just such a huge list. Um, I'd say, well, I mean, I think the economy is huge and just where we are with inflation and everything and the power that the federal government has um, from, I mean, so that's just kind of a whole whole bunch of things in one right there. Yeah, you you just just laid the biggest one we could possibly pick. Yeah. But so economy, though, um, you you Uh, guys have the kitchen table conversations about economy? Oh, economy, yes. Okay. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, school choice would be another one. Uh, I would like to hear what they have to say about that and if yeah. that would be something. Another thing is Second Amendment friendly. Okay. A- amen I'm to all that. about that. Yes. All right. Let me ask you, though, <laughs> because, you know, one of the kind of the old kind of uh, uh, like jokes or, or derisive jokes about politicians is every single one of them is toting a gun in their in their in their <laughs> campaign ads. Yeah. And then they go down to Montgomery or up to D.C. and do they really do something? Um, now I will say this part of it is just blocking bad legislation is like, is a good thing. Mm. Um, but, uh, but go ahead. Oh, another one would, a big one for me right now, because it's all over the place. 
I don't want to see them. I want to see someone firm and not going to coddle any type of gender identities and that, any of that stuff wow. that's going yeah. on. I want them to be like, nah, this is not going to fly. Well, especially wow. with what you just said with like school choice, kind of branching from that with school and like with education. Like, I think there needs to be more parental involvement and engagement in schools and like the, 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 power that has been taken from parents to be like you know have this conversation and it's under the radar and your parents don't know or what's being taught that's completely inappropriate for anybody yet alone elementary schools on like the on that note of what uh, boomer just brought up that's something i w- and we know it's really important to what me what about something we talked about earlier about the free speech and not not pushing something under the rug because you don't want it oh yeah heard Oh, yeah, like my monologue about gaslighting us yep. and telling us to, to get on the narrative and stick with the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, all right, totally. Yeah. Man, all right. All I, that. I love this. I just <laughs> sit back and y'all just, y'all just do. And then my, like other, my other big one always is, is abortion because I'm pro-life and pro and anyone that's created in the image of God. I'm going to fight for, fight for that. So well, well, it's a big uh, one for me, too. Well, you, y'all name some red meat. To include just coming out there swinging on term limits. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I was really I impressed. love that. I was he, like, yes. He's proud. Of, he's proud. Of, he's like, yeah, he's proud wow, of his wife I'm, over here. That's really proud. That's like, a, that's like a deep dive issue, man. That's 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 below the surface. That was um, good. I was, I was down in Montgomery when I was in the state senate. I was one of the only ones who would constantly sign on to term limit bills. Hmm. And uh, my buddy, uh, um, one of my guy, the guys who I was in the state senate with, uh, Trip Pittman from down in uh, South Alabama, he's not in right now either, but he would always sponsor a term limit bill every single year. And one year I got mad at him because it was already filed, and I went, "Dude, <laughs> you didn't come get me to sign on." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." I said, "I'm like your guy. I'm the only <laughs> I'm one like who will stand the there with you on this." Well, I got uh, I got to thank my dad for that one because we we chat that sort of stuff. Oh yeah, frequently. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So he raised you right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sure yes, did. Yes, he did. All right, Boomer, take it to a break, man. I ran long. I get I get Hi, fascinated dad. by y'all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. We'll be right back with Boomer and McQueen here on Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. There's plenty more where that came from. Back, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, now's that time as part of my favorite segment, Boomer McQueen, where I place myself at great risk <laughs> by giving you guys free reign to ask me whatever question you want and to see how I do extemporaneously. So I have no idea what's coming. Who's I'm getting, I got eye contact over here from McQueen. You look nervous. Yeah. So, so am I going to her first boomer? Is that, that was yeah, happening? you can go with her all first. Right. It's all right. Ladies first. All right. Ladies. First. All right. What so coming off of like those election, the election question, kind of flipping it back to you, what do you think will be for you? Like for you personally, what will be like the biggest, like the difference, the difference maker or, or like what stands out between all the Republican candidates? Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, wow. Um, I, uh, hmm. you know what I you know what I want I want somebody who has some backbone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not want a milk toast candidate 
I do not want somebody who's going to go along to get along. I do not want somebody who is going to um, who draw in the centrists and try to make everybody feel good. Forget that. I, I'm, I am. I am. So right now, I guess if if I mean, first of all, I loved Trump's policies. I love the fact that Trump did stuff no matter what anybody said because he thought it was right. I do think there's times when Trump gets in his own way, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I would love to see that level of backbone, that level of willingness to do what is right. Um, but I'd like to see it without some of the drama. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see any reason why you have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and send out a mean tweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that that really should change someone's day, but you know, he's the president. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd say right now I'm looking at some dynamic candidates like uh, Ron DeSantis. Um, I don't think Vivek Ramaswamy is very likely to be the candidate, but I like him a lot because of what he's been standing up for. So I'm wanting somebody who'll go to bat on the culture issues, the fiscal issues, will deregulate the crap out of the government, and um, and get us back onto a financial footing with a, you know, an all of the above energy policy. Um, so uh, that, there you go. What yeah. that actually kind of awesome. goes with my question, and it was based on um, either a candidate or what does the U.S. need to do to get on track of not being dependent on other countries? Oh, that's good. Ooh. Well, <laughs> that, we brought it today. I'm saying you that, guys are that scary. The, that was my question. All right. So to answer your question, one word, backbone. All right. Uh, like yeah. The, but but that would go to his question. So the very first thing that has to happen, in my opinion, on foreign policy is we have to have somebody with backbone. We right. have to have somebody who's willing to look China in the eye and go, yeah, you're not doing that. Yeah. And uh, And here's why. And then at the same time say, and if you do, here's what we're going to do to you. And, you know, Trump, Trump literally took out. Uh, General Soleimani, who was the head of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, because he had been exporting terrorism around the world. So, mm. hey, Iranian general, guess what? You're done. Mm. And 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 I'm not looking for I'm not looking for somebody to go around slitting throats. But what I'm saying is, on the world stage, if you cannot stand up strong, then you lose respect and therefore you lose standing. And and right now we don't have it. On the world stage, right. mm-hmm. I'm not looking to export the military to every corner of the globe. I'm not looking for you know people like I said out there slitting throats. What I am saying though is, if they try to push, they get pushed back harder. And if we have a border, it's a real border. Mm-hmm. And if there's a drug lab in Mexico that's making fentanyl that's killing a hundred thousand people, maybe it's time for somebody to take out the drug lab. So I'm I'm ready for someone on the foreign policy side, the domestic side. To have a backbone. Yeah. There's my answer. I like, like it. it. I like Dang. it. Yep. Dang. Yeah, that was good. That was all extemporary. You're right. 2024 <laughs> can't get here soon enough. <laughs> so, so come, come on, 24. Um, oh, man. oh, you know what? 2024 is coming. We need to have the little soundtrack from the show 24. Oh, oh. right. Ding Ding dong, ding dong. I like it. Yeah, we got to find that. He's Boomer. gonna, Boomer's going to start watching that now tonight. I know it. He can get home. He's going to watch 24. That's, I love 24. With, with, with no time left, what was the stupidest story of the week? Uh, okay, I'm going to go. Because you know, so, mine's because, never that stupid. Because I found this. It is old, but did you know that there was a cat found inside a checked bag at a JFK? Cat? A cat. And it wasn't found. It was found inside the bag, guys. Like, Alive. Alive. Look, there's the X-ray. Went through the X-ray machine, and you can see the image of the cat. And so, then the guy opens it. Ah, there's a cat in here. So, so old girl just put her cat in the bag, <laughs> hoping they wouldn't notice. I'm pretty sure the cat noticed. My favorite part is the guy cat. opening the suitcase, scared that it's gonna like jump out at him. Oh, mighty. Oh my word. All right, Boomer McQueen, we love you. 
All right, folks, Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Y'all stay tuned. We will be right back. conservative just plain right and we are back phil williams right side radio solid conservative just plain right covering down on some major ground across the northern half of the great state of alabama i'm talking about from way down south to birmingham up north to huntsville tuscaloosa back to gas parts of george tennessee mississippi thrown in just for good measure um we still got cameras every which direction around here boomer we do (laughs) we do um uh by the way i just learned something about boomer during the break so (laughs) apparently Apparently, Boomer wants a pet cheetah. Is I what do. I heard. If anybody is this has true? Any, I really do want a pet cheetah. It all started, I know we're going off subject here, but it all started when I was in Africa. I went to Africa to do some mission work. Well, when we were there, we actually got to go to like a, what they call the animal sanctuaries, yeah. the zoo, yeah. basically is what it is. And this, uh, the guy that was uh, helping us and walking us around says, hey, you want to go in this? Uh, I don't know why I'm making him sound Jamaican. He was not. He was African. <laughs> but um, he said, hey, "Do you want to go in this uh, in this cage and pet the cheetah?" I said, "Absolutely, I want to pet the cheetah." So they walk me into a little area. So they just walk you. Okay. Listen, oh, it gets it gets. So better. lawyers don't do their job in Africa the way we do here. I guess. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. So the guy walks me into this little area. It's like you know the next cage outside you know there's like a little cage you walk into and you're like okay they're not in there you just stick your hand through and pet the cheetahs and i'm like this is awesome you bring your hand back out that's what i was hoping and then wait for it he goes yeah man they like you and he opens the gate and he says just walk in there i said walk in there with all these there was like 10 cheetahs i said 10 cheetahs and they looked wild. I mean, they said just walk (laughs) in there and it wasn't like they were walking with me they're like yeah man they, they like you so I said, okay. I don't know why I said, okay. So I walked in and I started petting the cheetah. And Shut up. I started you petting the cheetah. The and then the guy goes, hey, man, uh, don't move. I said, why? He said, there's the, the male cheetah standing right there and looking at you right next to you. And I, and I turned my head and, it's, and I'm talking. He's like inches away from my face, his face. And he opens his mouth and I go, oh, man, this is the end. And he started licking me. And then ever since then, I wanted Cheetah. And they said most, I could be wrong, but what they told me, and I've asked a couple other like, you know, animal experts per se, and they say Cheetahs can be domesticated, domesticated. but I mean, it's still a wild cat, but I still want a Cheetah. So that's that's a that's fun a story. So there's a crazy factoid <laughs> I never knew about and, you. And no one else went into the cage, just me. Not even the, uh, not even the, 
person okay. that was over it. And we just spent we just spent like six minutes hearing your <laughs> cheetah story. So so from now on on Right Side Radio, we if we if we run we we run down something like like totally off the cuff. We're not chasing rabbits. We're chasing cheetahs. Chasing from now cheetahs. On. Yeah, we chased that cheetah for a while. <laughs> that's just, chasing that cheetah. That's hilarious. So yeah, love me some cheetahs. That's a that's a. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't easy being cheesy. So, okay. All right. Um, hey, uh, by the way, I got to tell you, Right Side Radio is a huge fan of Just Love Coffee Cafe. We have two locations for Just Love Coffee in our listening area, one on Hughes Road out in Madison and the other on South Parkway in Huntsville. And, um, you know, one of the things I like about Just Love Coffee, Travis and I were emailing back and forth yesterday, the guy who owns both locations, and uh, is, is, is the fact that they're not just about themselves. They're not just about a menu. They're not just about making money. Those all matter. Certainly they do. He wouldn't be in business if he couldn't also make a living for he and his family. What I love though is Just Love Coffee Cafe has a mission of doing things for their own community, of, of giving back. And, 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 it's, and it's so evident. They're constantly holding fundraisers or letting people come there for have their groups to do things. So he wanted me to let y'all know that uh, this coming weekend, Saturday morning from eight to noon, the Horizon Elementary School PTA is going to be out there uh, at, at the Madison County lo- at the Madison excuse me location, and trying to raise money to update their cafeteria AV system because they, they don't have any audio capability. Uh, they need microphones. They got their spring drama productions coming up. They got their fifth grade graduation and school assemblies. They want to they want to upgrade, and not everything can be done with tax dollars. Sometimes they got to raise money. So if you want to help support the Horizon Elementary School PTA this coming Saturday morning. At the Madison location on Hughes Road, uh, of Just Love Coffee Cafe. Yeah, go by, have you a great Saturday morning, but also do something good for one of your local schools with great kids. All right, there's that. Just Love Coffee Cafe, always doing more than just serving coffee. Um, you know that that I guess Boomer. I'm not sure I'm gonna be able to get it all in, but I'm gonna try and do. So we're, we're, I'm going to save my insurrection inspection thing for tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there. That's that, probably that a better one needs, idea. That one needs more time than what Absolutely. I can give it. But let me tell you something. You guys, I, I, I have the number three dipper today was one that just, it just warmed the cockles of my heart. I'm not sure what a cockle is, but I understand that hearts have cockles. And mine was warmed. Um, so I told you a story last week or maybe two weeks ago about an 82-year-old Navy veteran who was just blown away. He was working as a greeter at Walmart and, and somebody saw him. I think I actually made him bagging groceries. Um, and his name is Butch Marion, 82 year old Navy veteran, 82 years old at work. Well, this, this gentleman saw him and thought a guy named Rory McCarty and Rory McCarty felt like, okay, that shouldn't be happening. Found out that he really was 82 McCarty explained how his own faith in Jesus Christ had just prompted him to be somebody who wants to give back. And he saw a video about somebody raising money for an elderly woman. He thought, I can do that. And so he started a GoFundMe. Y'all, they raised $108,000 for 82-year-old Butch Marion. And, wow. and, and, and they literally, he said in his own words, he said, I'm like a bird out of a cage now. He doesn't have to go to work every day at 82 years old. He was able to pay off some of his bills. Now he can travel down to see his family in Florida that he hasn't been able to see in, in the last several years. And that was huge. Well, that story apparently has caught wind or caught, caught, caught some, you know, some imagination in other places. Because I got another story that came out yesterday. And this is 
This is awesome. In fact, this, this segment is called Good Folks Are Still Out There. Good folks are still out there. I mean, we get we get on here, we can complain, we can gripe, we can we can we can talk about inflation, we can, you know, we can get aggravated with Biden and Booty Judge and all the rest of them. But I love the fact that there are good people still out there. And this, this story right here came off Fox News dated yesterday. It says Texas teens, here's a headline. Texas teens raise over $160,000 for their elderly janitor. Wow. Because they found out that their janitor, who they just call uh, Mr. James, I believe. Yeah, Mr. James. Mr. James started working at Callisburg High School in North Texas in January of this year. People began to sort of realize, man, the guy's 80 years old. He's 80 years old. But it was because he lived on a fixed income and his rent had doubled. And he didn't have any choice. 80 years old, he got a job as a janitor at a school. You know, some could have cried and folded up, but Mr. James got busy. He went to work. Well, one of the students, y'all, not, not, not an adult, not somebody who's already got a job. No, kids in the school took a shine to him. And one of the kids thought, I can do something about this. So they started a GoFundMe. The initial goal was just to raise him $10,000 to help him pay his rent. Y'all, they raised $160,000 in a week because good people are still out there and they want to help other good people. And students said, yeah, Mr. James was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I'd say that's true. But it, it doesn't stop there. How about this? I got this one off a website that's actually called the Good News Network. This is cool. Strangers around the country, it says, are rewarding a Michigan woman for her honesty after turning in nearly $15,000 in cash. This woman, by the way, is uh, 65 years old. Diane Gordon, who walks 2.7 miles one way to get to her job, is working the deli counter because her Jeep broke down and she didn't have money to fix it. So she's just working this little small, you know, you know low-wage job at a deli counter, and she, she didn't know how she was going to get by when her car broke down, but she wasn't going to quit. She kept walking to work every single day. On one of those days, she stopped in a convenience store to get something to drink, and she found on the ground outside, she found a plastic bag that was filled up with greeting cards and money. Had $15,000 cash in it. This is a woman who could have taken that money, gone down to a local car lot, and bought another car with it. And she didn't. She called the police and turned it in. Turns out it was a, uh, an envelope or a bag that had been collecting up all the gifts from somebody's wedding. And all these cards and all that money, well, they found the owners. Well, people decided that that was this, this the, the height of goodness and, and integrity. And so what they do? Somebody set up, a, a policeman's wife heard about it and said she was so blown away by it, she set up a GoFundMe. Y'all, they raised $82,000 for 65-year-old Diane Gordon oh. to get a new car. She officially signed for her new Jeep Compass just yesterday <laughs> at the local dealership. And along with a new car, she got extended warranty, maintenance, insurance, all the plates, the tabs, and some folding money to do what she needed to do to oh, help her way through life. That's awesome. I'm not done. That's, I'm, I'm not done. Going. I'm not I done. I like these. <laughs> Here's another story that came off of Fox. So there's a family that saw on their ring doorbell that their pizza delivery person slipped and fell on the front porch, all right? And the video um, just kind of really got all over them. So they checked into it. 
make sure she was okay and all that kind of stuff. And they wanted to make sure she got a good tip. Well, it turns out it was 72-year-old Barbara Gillespie delivering pizza, trying to make ends meet. 72-year-old Barbara Gillespie in South Carolina delivering pizza. And by the way, I've delivered pizza. That is, that is hard work. Um, she's an older woman, it says. She fell. All she cared about, though, was the food that she dropped. She felt so bad. So what did they do when they found out her story and got to know her a little bit? Once again, this family set up a GoFundMe. Y'all, they raised $262,000. Oh. $262,000 for 72-year-old Barbara Gillespie. Well, the, 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 the local Domino's where she works said she's a beloved member of the family. She's a favorite of all the customers. She always has a smile on her face. And we're thrilled that customers have rallied around her to do this. And, and it, it's, it's, it's gone viral. Hmm. So as much as all of her clients and customers love her, Thursday, February the 16th of this year was her last day working at Domino's. And they have changed her life because they decided to reach out and do something right. You know why? Because good folks are still out there. That's what I'm saying. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Well, I got more of those, but it's time for a break. Let's go ahead and do that right now, brother. We'll take the break. We'll go away and come right back with the cockles of your heart warmed, I am certain. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. Good people are still out there. We'll be right back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid conservative, just plain right, saving the world one soundbite at a time. Looking up here on the screen right now, Pete Booty Judge was uh, over in uh, East Palestine, dressed like one of the village people today. That was uh, that was <laughs> like a village. <laughs> I, I thought you were just going to say dress. He just dressed up like everyone else. No, you had to go to the village people. Uh, well, what can I say? I'm sorry. It just hit me. I just looked up there and I thought, there he is. He's one of the village people. Um, Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, now that I've totally offended uh, some people, um, and, and do I care? I don't. No. Apparently, I don't. No. Um, anyway, let me let me do this. I, I got to tell you, I tell you, ZLA Solutions has been with this show since the get go. Can't tell you how much I appreciate that, too. Uh, but they have been with us since the very beginning. And ZLA Solutions has had like their best year on record as a company in the past year, putting jobs and people together. So if you are looking for a job yourself, you can go to their website, ZLAUSA.com. They've got great jobs posted all over North Alabama, really outside of the state even, too. But if you're an employer looking to fill out the ranks of your workforce, man, that's what they do. Temp or direct hire, it doesn't matter. Uh, they, can, they can do all the recruiting, the background checks, the drug testing. They can find you an entire shift of people or just the onesies and twosies that you might need with special knit skills. Blue collar, white collar, no collar, I always say. It doesn't matter. Check them out. Uh, ZLA Solutions at ZLAUSA.com. And please tell them you heard about it on Right Side Radio. Uh, I, got, I was going to go to the text line, but I see I got a call. Is that, a, is, that, is that Sparky on the line? Sparky from Harvest. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm awesome. I, I love the last segment, and it was very heartwarming to hear about the 72-year-old lady who, who got taken care of by her 
meet the customers and uh, enjoy retirement for her. That got me thinking earlier today, I, I had a similar conversation with a friend, and they were bemoaning something about uh, pick, pick, a, pick an idiotic woke, woke topic uh, or man-made global warming mania or utter nonsense. And my thought was, you know, the majority of Americans are really not that way. We would be led to believe by the mainstream media and by yeah. social media to believe that everybody is in a mania over man-made global climate change, that they're afraid of offending, they're fearful of saying the wrong thing for fear of offending, pick, pick a demographic, and that we're all into this uh, utterly woke nonsense. And I, the reality is I think I think 95% of Americans have no use for any of that, yep. but the mainstream media and social media wants to portray the mores and complete lack of morals of the Washington, D.C. crowd and the idiots on the far left and right coast in the most liberal cities, they would project their their views on the rest of us. I don't think I don't think even ten percent of Americans believe any of that, that woke nonsense in the first place and it's really being pushed by probably one or two percent. And they all work in the mainstream media and they all work in in and out of uh, Washington, D.C. No, I think you're absolutely right. Boomer and I were having a conversation during one of the breaks earlier um, about, like, I remember back in the day when Rush Limbaugh was the very first one to speak on conservative radio, and I told Boomer, I said, he's the first one who helped me put a uh, put words to how I felt. And, and, and I think what we're seeing is that the vast majority of people, they really don't feel that way. They're told to feel that way. But there's got to be a voice out there that says, you know what, you're not alone. Uh, there's a whole lot more of us than there are of them. Don't worry. Well, you, you said a telling thing. They're told to think that way. They're told that they have to believe that. And, and it's almost like the mainstream media and the, and the idiot, pinhead idiot crooks in Washington would try to shame you into say, thinking this is how you have to be. They're trying to program you to believe that stuff. And, and, and the reality is... It, it, the average American person isn't offended by anything. I challenged anybody years ago uh, who, who claimed to be offended by the name of the football team, the Washington Redskins, and people I'd known for years. I said, that's funny. I've never heard you complain about, in all these years walking by those Confederate monuments ever. I've never heard you once in your life, any of you, post anything believing that the, the name the Washington Redskins was offensive. But when the media instructed you yeah. that you were to be offended and that you should be offended by this, you fell right in lockstep, lockstep with that. And a, and a team, an NFL team with a proud tradition and a logo designed by a Cherokee chief had to give it up because of wokeness and weakness. Ah, wokeness and weakness. I need to do a whole segment on wokeness <laughs> and weakness. I can tell that Sparky has been uh, Sparky is unchained, man. He is retired, and he can say whatever he wants to say now. Yes. <laughs> hey, are you enjoying retirement, man? I am, and I'm working harder than I ever have in my life. Yeah. And uh, every single major appliance in my house is broken down in the last month and a half. So I got that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, listen, uh, we had somebody text in and wanting to know if, if, if you were a uh, helicopter pilot they thought they knew from a past life. Did you ever get my message about that? I, I did not, yes. And, and yes, I was. Um, and uh, both feet are firmly on the ground now. Well, did. And, uh, Thank you for your years of service, my friend. And uh, I will have to try and resend the message to you about what somebody had been asking because they thought they recognized your voice and said, I'm pretty sure he flew missions with me. So um, 
I'll, oh, oh uh, absolutely. And it's hard it's hard to miss this voice. I'm sixty three and a half years old and I'm cursed with the boyish thin trebly voice of a fifteen year old kid. <laughs> so I, I I got that going for me too. So <laughs> Well uh, I I don't agree with that, but nonetheless it's hilarious. All right, Sparky man, you have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, bye. See ya. Uh, we, we have some cool people in this audience, man. We totally do. Totally do. <laughs> but I bet none of them was petted a cheetah. I don't know. I have. <laughs> I even got licked by one. Licked by a cheetah. <laughs> All right, folks. You guys have an amazing night. We'll be back here tomorrow at 2. We'll see you then. out there you are listening to right side radio solid conservative just plain right